0: This is County Fire Insight for Tuesday, June 9th, 2020. Featuring updates on awards, Office of the Fire Marshal, Operations, COVID-19 Economic Impacts, and FP5. Thank you for tuning in. We've got a lot to talk about today. Before I start, though, I want to recognize a few people that have joined us today. I'd like to to recognize Mike Horton and his team, Uh, and he's brought Tom Strong with him and Natalie Campos from ISD, who's uh, a technician that's been really good at designing some Esri apps, what we call Survey 123. So Mike has got a NACO award, which is, uh, what is it, Mike? National County Association of County. National Association of County Award for some of the work that County Fire has done using some Esri products. I'm going to have Mike come up and describe uh, what his team is and why he's getting this award. And uh, County Fire sure is proud of you, Mike. Why don't you go ahead and start coming up? I also want off to offer the organization that if you want to learn some of uh, some of the techniques and things that Natalie and Mike can describe, if you want to learn how to do these apps, please reach out to us. They're really simple, and there's a lot of solutions that we can put in place for our community, and our fire department, just after about a half day of training. Mike, tell us about it.
1: Well, thank you, Chief. Um, the National Association of Counties Award is an achievement award, and there's about 18 different categories that are done every year. Uh, This particular award was on uh, information and technology. And it was for our damage assessment uh, application that we developed. Uh, There's a long history behind the way the damage assessment team was created. I believe our first uh, fire was back at Sawtooth back in 2004, um, or maybe about 2006, I believe that was. Uh, we were using 3x5 cards and runners for photographs, and had no real way of giving real-time information. We used assessor par- parcel maps, so if you were one parcel off on doing your plotting, things could go to heck really quick. Uh, but since then, we've had a really innovative, forward-thinking way of putting the Damage Assessment app together, and the people I want to uh, honor today that put that ap- application together are Natalie Campos, And Tom Strong. Come on up guys. These two are are individually uh, responsible for the way the Damage Assessment App works today and I couldn't be more proud of the work that you've done. Uh, Natalie is currently with ISD and Tom is our Assistant Fire Marshal over in the East Valley Division. So, uh, Natalie, I can't tell you how proud I am. Uh, You've brought us from the weeds into Uh, the future forward-looking way of using information technology, real-time information, data-driven solutions to big problems, and starting with damage assessment. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention how we uh, started this. Ingrid Johnson, out of our own GIS section, started uh, the application uh, thought and and brought that forward. And we've just refined from where Ingrid left off to where we are today. So kudos to Ingrid for bringing us most of the way through this entire process. So Natalie, you want to talk about the, the 123 app a little bit? Or you know, what the? I'll,
2: uh... I'll go ahead and read a oh. that we have on it. How's that?
1: OK, perfect. So uh, when you see Natalie and Tom around in, in town, uh, uh, make sure you congratulate them. They are the ones that brought us this nationally recognized honor and uh, couldn't be more proud of them. Thank you very much. Thank you, Natalie, Thank you, sir. amazing work. Tom, Thanks, strong work. Thanks.
2: So if you guys wanna go ahead and go on back up there, I'd like to read a little, little <laughs> bit about the award. So the Office of the Fire Marshal has been recognized for the 2020 uh, Information Technology Award from, the, from NACO, the National Association of Counties. Under the leadership of Fire Marshal Mike Horton, this team of experts has built the County Fire Damage Assessment Team over the past 14 years to a well-respected team in which other agencies have modeled after and turned to for advice. This team has provided damage assessment ever since for every major incident from fires, floods, earthquakes to recently civil unrest. The first fire the assessment team responded to was a sawtooth fire that decimated Pioneer Town in the outskirts of Yucca Valley, where they utilized assessment parcel maps, index cards, and runners to obtain information. This team now utilizes the latest technology and has created a rapid damage assessment solution. The rapid damage assessment solution provides real time damage assessment utilizing live maps. It conducts damage assessment field surveys digitally using mobile devices in order to provide real-time updates to the instant command post. It provides a dashboard to the instant command post and damage assessment personnel containing real-time situational awareness. The total numbers of buildings assessed and their assessment ratings and much much more. This team has changed the way the damage is assessed in our county. The quickest, the quickness of the rapid damage assessment solution is the greatest success. By being able to provide the assessed damage reports to other county departments, such as the Office of Emergency Services, quickly, County Fire can ensure residents receive the information they need to assess much needed services in a time of crises. These innovative ideas are what County Fire is all about. Great job, you guys.
1: Thank you very much, Chief, appreciate it. Excellent job. Thank you, Chief. Yeah, it good. Well, here, we'll
0: do that, I suppose, <laughs> so we're on camera. I'll thank give you geez. a hug later. Sounds good, thank you, sir. So uh, Mike and Tom and I, we, we taught uh, at Fire Prevention International probably five years ago. On I did the ICS section. You guys started talking about these ESRI products and what we were doing, and you've just refined it to a national level. Those of you in, uh, in the field might be familiar with Survey 123 as, um, as it pertains to collecting Uh, the temperatures of our folks during the COVID. When you signed in that simple survey, you were uh, submitting information and then it was used GIS or geospatial information to track the locations of our employees and where they were actually doing their temperature checks. So that survey is also useful for other applications. And this morning, in fact, I I talked to Fire Marshal Horton and I said, we're just getting all these 4th of July, normal firework calls. What can we do for the public? So within two hours, Mike sent me back a response and said, hey, we're going to use survey 123. What we'll do is we'll create a Q code. And someone will just take their camera and aim it at the the QR code. And then it'll take them to a survey. They'll be able to report the location of the fireworks, uh, take a picture if they want it. Put the information at what times of the day the fireworks are going off and then what's going to happen in the background is a dashboard will be available to our fire prevention officers that'll show the location of where these fireworks are occurring and the time of day that they're they're occurring and that'll allow the fire prevention officers to do better patrol and hopefully uh, curb some of the firework calls that we have in our jurisdiction we know how difficult that is but there's a lot of different opportunities to use these apps in our fire department not only in fire prevention but also in safety. So, again, if you're interested in learning more about that, please reach out to Chief Opelger uh, or myself, and we'll get you plugged in and, and get you that training. We're also uh, happy to have Mike Bremer here with us today. Come on up, Mike. You got to keep your mask on, though. No, I can't talk this so we've opened up our county fire offices again. We're back at full staff for the most part. Our, our services are being offered and complete, and I've made sure that everybody at our at our offices, are wearing their mask. I'll put mine on then. All
1: right, right. I'll take it
0: off. Yeah, yeah. You look better than me anyway. Um,
1: I was doing mask. Although
0: every time my son sees me in this mask, he, he calls. He thinks I'm Mortal Kombat. I don't know why. Oh, they are hot. Yeah. Um, Mike, you know, I always tease Mike when I when I see him because as a firefighter, Mike uh, had an open captain shift in Atalanto back in the day where there was a firefighter, an LT, and the captain. And I would come in and work with Mike for many years. And we had a really good time. And Mike's not allowed to tell those stories anymore. Good but stories. we uh, we're, we, uh, well, I'm going to have Stacy, or excuse me, Tracy read, sorry, Tracy, read a little spill about why you're standing here, Mike. OK.
2: So in May, engineer Mike Bremer was selected as a recipient of the county's award for excellence. As part of a nationwide celebration honoring government employees for their outstanding public service, the County Board of Supervisors presents the award for excellence to employees who have contributed to bringing our countywide vision to life based on their service to our residents and commitment to achieving the county vision. So engineer Bremer has demonstrated the countywide vision in action by working collaboratively to ensure that our communities are safe and prepared to respond to as well as recover from man-made and natural threats to public safety of any scale. He is deserving of the Exceptional Service Award for his dedication to serving the community during the COVID-19 emergency. He stepped up to ensure the citizens of San Bernardino County are served during this unfolding emergency. He volunteered for County Fire's Incident Management Team and began working on logistics, overseeing and making certain that firefighters had access to the proper personal protective equipment. Mike is instrumental to our department and the incident management team, where he actively uses his expertise and training every day to serve our county. Great job, Mike.
1: Well,
0: I'm proud of Mike Bremer and, and Mike, I know that you would say that you're one of probably 1,250 employees that deserve this award. But you've Absolutely. done a great job consistently over the years. And if it's not helping with COVID-19, it's, it's being involved with Tony Siciliano and, and, and management of some of our events in the area. And you've really taken an active role, and even a role that may be bug your classification. But you've owned that. So thank you for what you do and continue to do for us.
1: Well, thank you very much. Again, you're right. I have a, we have a great team of people down there. Without Tony or Jason, Jeff and Adrian, uh, just great people are really working hard. And we were off camera. Mike mentioned
0: to me he's going to come out number one in on the next captain's test.
1: No, I did not mention that.
0: <laughs> not at all. We made a bet. You'll owe me breakfast. Well, thank you very much, sir. Congratulations. I'm super, uh, just couldn't be any prouder of how our folks are handling the civil unrest right now. I know there's been some really trying times. I was talking to some of our investigators that were doing force protection and incident, and they were mentioning how the public was coming up and spitting on them and how the public was treating our firefighters. And your level of engagement has always been 100% spot on. The way you treat our customers has always been exceptional and, and the unrest you see right now, even in our county, I don't know how many of you caught the board of supervisors meeting, but I recommend you watch that meeting. It's uh, it'll it's on the web. You can look it up. The amount of public that's getting up and they're speaking about uh, law enforcement. They're not saying anything about the fire department. They're um, they're doing nothing but singing your praises. But I know that sometimes on the street, it's a little bit different than that. And I just want to commend you to keep your head high and keep doing your job. And no matter what people's attitudes may be towards people in uniform right now, know that you're fully supported by by your fire chiefs and making sure that you have what you need to do this job safely and that we really admire you for continuing to do the job that you do. Right now there's a 15-acre fire on the pass and I was looking out the window, you could see the header and I was thinking back to uh, one of the last fires that we had um, in Oak Hills it actually got in the structures, it was an interesting fire, but um, Chief Hart was there and he was uh, not in PPEs and he was running around the middle of the fire and, and I was a division at the time and I remember thinking, man, Chief, would we'll just get out of the way. And that's a reminder to me to be here to support you and not get in the way. I need I need Chief Oakley to do her job and she's doing a great job to make sure that there's good command and control and make sure that we're doing the secession planning and the training. So as much as I admire that that fire off on the hillside, just know it's killing me not to go there, especially after being on incident management teams for so long as a division. Um, And then I was also looking at some pictures of a semi that went off to 3.30 today and thinking about what county fire does every single day. As we go through FP5, that's one of the messages that we put out is that we're not a city fire department. And a lot of cities, um, to be honest, are looking at four walls. It can be. It's not as dynamic anywhere near, compared to what our firefighters face every single day. You never know when you get me on the 3:30 in snow and ice. You never know when you get me on the 3:30 with a semi off. You never know when you get me on the 3:30 fighting fire. You never know when you're going to be at a 1.1 million square foot building helping a neighboring jurisdiction. Uh, you guys are true firefighters and we're very proud of you and the things that you're doing and we're communicating that to the public that this is what you get with the county fire department. And if you strip the funding away from a county fire department, you're not gonna be able to have these enhanced services. You may not have somebody that is prepared to go on a rescue to go down and and secure that semi and make sure that the victims are are treated properly. You're not gonna have a fire engine that may have a reasonable response time in even our urban areas. You may not have that hazardous material expert. You may not have a damage assessment app. Those are the messages we're putting to the public. So thank you for doing such a great job and giving us the talking points that we need. With FP5, I'm feeling, still feeling very good that we're, gonna, we're going to continue to receive the FP5 funding. Uh, the ACs and I have gotten out in front of the city councils. We presented to the city councils. This is what the fire department looks like with funding. This is what the fire department looks like without funding. Uh, we can't advocate for or against that valid measure. As you know, we've spoken about that, but we can certainly tell them and educate them on the differences. Four of our cities that are incorporated into the county fire district through FP5 annexations, that'd be San Bernardino, Upland, Needles, and 29 Palms, have all banded together and they're looking at options. Um, I, what can they do as a city to, uh, as cities, to prevent FP5 taken from their incorporated boundaries. We're keeping sharp tabs on that. We're, we're um, providing them with the information and the education that they need uh, as they look at those options. But they're very concerned and they're working with the district to make sure that FP5 funding is in place. Hellendale CSD is obviously very concerned. The manager out there, Kimberly Cox, and I talk often, and that CSD is active. Uh, that's where the tax originated from. That was a two thirds vote. And a loss of that tax, they understand, could mean the loss of their fire station. That community voted in 2007 the FP5 in order to fund that fire station. $41 million has large effects throughout the county. We did a presentation to the board two meetings ago. You can look at that and watch that. We wanted to make sure that we were staying at a 40,000 foot level. We didn't say exactly what fire stations would close. Instead, we focused on what are the effects. This is what your fire department looks like with FP5 funding. This is what it looks like without. Tracy Martinez has worked very hard in preparing some information that I'll be sending out later today on FP5 that'll just continue to provide you an update, uh, give you some talking points because you realize the public's gonna start coming to you and they're gonna have some questions about FP5 and that repeal. We're also uh, providing information to different citizens groups out there, to the insurance groups out there that uh, would be affected by the loss of FP5. I've asked uh, Fire Marshal Horton to uh, come in today, not only for the award, I mean, that was kind of a late addition, but also to to give us an update on the Fire Marshal's office and talk a little bit about what's going on there. Mike, do you mind coming back up?
1: Thank you, Chief. Uh, chief mentioned, uh, as early as the beginning of last week, the civil az- unrest we had in the city. Uh, several of you were assigned to the task force uh, out of 221s. Uh, we were very fortunate to have a crew of investigators. There was five or six of us available to provide that force protection. And like the chief said, it wasn't the easiest assignment. But uh, you know we couldn't have been prouder than to stand and, and make sure that our firefighters were protected when they were fighting all those uh, fires that uh, were being intentionally lit across the city. So I just wanna let you know that in the future, you may see the investigators out there uh, uh, running that same mission in a force protection group, whether it be a uh, an, an active shooter scenario or whether it's just civil unrest or anything similar where you guys need that uh, personal protection. We're here, we're dedicated to you, and we're gonna make sure that law enforcement officers are able to go do cop stuff while we stay behind and watch out for our own so uh, we appreciate you having our backs uh, last week and we'll continue to have yours uh, no matter what that's a personal guarantee for me so uh, OFM uh, lots of things have been happening you guys don't get to see us very much we're made up of three divisions about 114 people most of them uh, you'll see here and there the COPA inspectors the fire inspectors fire investigators, public educators. Uh, We have everybody from administrative professionals all the way to biologists and civil engineers. So when you see those folks, thank them for their service because what they're out there doing is they're just protecting you guys and making sure that you have better, uh, more safe building standard, making sure our public's safe, making sure our students and children are safe at schools. And what they do when smoke is not in the air is what we consider our successes. So uh, get to know your fire prevention folks and your investigators and your COOPA inspectors. And uh, let's let's really build up those relationships because they're out there for you guys. Uh, we were very fortunate to go out to Tower 11, I believe it was, the other day. Uh, thank you, Mark Howder, for inviting out the OFM staff. We came out in force. Uh, we brought our supervisors, our deputy fire marshals, our investigators, our uh, Hazmat Emergency Response Team, and we were able to... Uh, introduce ourselves to that uh, incumbent group of uh, firefighter trainees, uh, which I think was a really a big blessing in disguise. They're going to know who they're who to call, who to work with in the future. We were able to put a uh, cr community risk reduction message out there and just get them, you know, boots on the ground right away, thinking about how we can prevent fires and respond to those real calls where you guys are, you know, truly needed rather than those nuisance calls or things that we can prevent. If it's predictable, it's preventable. And that's what community risk reduction is all about. It'll be a data-driven risk analysis that's based off of the fire calls you guys go on, and that's what we're, we're going to target our efforts on. So uh, thank you, Training Division, for allowing us to come out. Early in July, you're going to see the Office of the Fire Marshal rebranding uh, somewhat. You know, we've had the, uh, you know, we wear blue uniforms and we wear black uniforms just like the suppression staff, but we want to make sure that people aren't confused when they're dealing with a firefighter compared to a fire prevention uh, expert. So what we've done is we've done a couple of things. We've changed our collar brass, and uh, Tom, you want to come on up and show them what we've got in collar brass now? We, we've gone through a couple designs, but this is the most recent design. Uh, Tom's an assistant fire marshal as of July 1. Uh, we've changed all the fire prevention uh, supervisor positions to assistant fire marshal. And that's our captain level position in, in the uh, office of the fire marshal. So all you'll see is the, the round disc with the title of the person that's on it, whether it's an assistant or deputy fire marshal, and then either uh, side-by-side bugles or cross bugles for a chief officer. Thank you, Tom. We appreciate it. Also, with that rebranding, we're coming out with three different t-shirts. The t-shirts will be exclusive for the Office of the Fire Marshal. All of the inspection and field staff will have the same uh, brand logo that the uh, San Rio County Fire has on their t-shirt. But instead of saying fire across the middle, it'll have the initials OFM. And then for the arson group it'll say arson across the middle and for the emergency responders and hazmat it'll say hazmat across the middle. You'll be e- able to easily identify those people either by their collar brass or by their t-shirts that they're wearing at the time or by their right shoulder excuse me their left shoulder patch, right shoulder patch which is the office of the fire marshal shoulder patch and sign- uh, indicates that they work out at the office of the fire marshal. Those will be all coming in Probably within the next couple of weeks, you'll see those changes. Uh, some other changes are title changes effective on J- July 1st. All fire prevention supervisors will now be c- uh, called uh, assistant fire marshals. And our fire investigators are going from fire prevention officer arson to fire investigator 1. So you'll see those title changes, and it uh, more aligns us to the hierarchy of the department. And uh, we're looking forward to that. Uh, fire hazard abatement. Uh, the big thing going on right now is the Little Mountain Project. And as you know, we're going to put some goats up there. It's kind of late in the season. But uh, this is a trial run for those goats, and I think it's going to get a lot of publicity from the community. So we're going to have some opportunities for some public viewing and for some media viewing after they get established. They should be up there right around June 16th. And hopefully all that Shannon Hills area and the Little Mountain uh, Top around the hilltop uh, uh, restaurant, we'll all be free and clear of that light vegetation that you see up there now. Goats are gonna be the wave of the future for consistent and regular fire uh, prevention in those wildland areas. So you'll be seeing them up there. Uh, fireworks interdiction. We started our fireworks interdiction uh, last weekend and within two hours we had seized over 8,500 pounds of dangerous and illegal fireworks and wrote over 37 citations. That's about $45,000 worth of administrative revenue to support that arson program. Uh, I can't emphasize enough. Um, You're going to see that IEP come out again this year on how we respond to fires. Fire suppression folks are going to respond to fires that involve either an injury or a uh, fire of some kind. Other than that, please leave it up to fire prevention and the arson investigators to make those contacts. They're getting more and more dangerous, and we do not want our fire suppression folks to be set up for that type of catastrophic failure where somebody assaults you or, or wants to take out their aggressions on you, especially on the heels of all this civil protest. Let the law enforcement uh, branch of the fire, uh, fire department take care of all that, and we'll try to run and answer as many of those calls as we can. That interdiction is gonna be going on through the month of June all the way up to the holiday which will also include fireworks patrols. We have been meeting this week with every one of our cities uh, to talk about how we're going to coordinate with the Sheriff's Department and with code enforcement uh, departments from each one of those cities to uh, go out there and do some uh, useful enforcement on illegal fireworks. Uh, Last thing I want to talk about, uh, well, actually, I have two things left. Uh, The Redlands commercial uh, three-alarm fire that we had just uh, recently. We were able to not only go over there and assist with our fire suppression folks with the mutual aid, but we also sent two fire prevention experts, two fire investigators, and two hazardous materials emergency response folks. Let's start with the prevention staff. They were able to do an, an analytic analysis of all of the plan checks, inspection work, sprinkler systems, they looked at the alarm functions, they looked at the sprinkler functions, the sequence of events that led up to The catastrophic failure, which of course let that entire, you know, 1.1 million square foot building uh, burn down so suddenly. Totally unexpected, but we've been name requested by the City of Redlands Fire Marshal to come over there and assist uh, throughout the month to write a white paper on all those catastrophic failures and we're really looking forward to that. The arson investigators are working with ATF and the City of Redlands Fire Investigators and Cal Fire. Uh, to do a combined approach to you know try to uh, you know take care of a million and one square feet of uh, burnt uh, remains and with collapsed walls, so it's a it's a pretty big endeavor. And of course, HMRT did the drone flyover uh, pretty soon on on one of the Z drives or one of the uh, community safety or fire prevention drives. We will have the footage from the drone uh, flyovers that they did. And we'll try to make that available to the department uh, through uh, whatever means necessary. So big kudos to those fire prevention folks that went out and responded on a name request or mutual aid uh, basis. And that was Tim Tate and Sean Reese as the fire investigators, Adam Panos and Maurice Moore as the fire prevention experts, and Dwayne Pianalto and Greg Ziegler as the hazmat uh, response team folks. Lastly, uh, we were able to promote some uh, fire prevention officer trainees to fire prevent- probationary fire prevention officers. And uh, we had one uh, fire prevention officer probationary status graduate to uh, a full-time fire prevention officer. Congratulations to Alejandro Hernandez uh, for starting off his career with county fire. And I can't tell you how dedicated these folks become once we've uh, offered our trainee program, which is a year-long program, and then, of course, our nine-month probationary status, and they graduate to a fully vested fire prevention officer. So all of that uh, is working out really well. The others that still on probation but have uh, passed their trainee uh, taskbook is Marlon Gomez, Adam Hensley, and Brandon Salgado. So when you see those folks out there in your divisions and they're looking at those buildings, uh, by all means, get to know their numbers. We're in the Fire Net phone book. Take a look at that. Find the fire prevention folks that work in your area or those COOPA inspectors that work in your area. Make sure you get to know them and use them. They're, we're here to support you guys at every means. So by all means, get to know us and uh, let us make your life a little bit easier. Thank you very much. Appreciate the time, Chief. And I guess next is our Chief Opliger. <laughs>
3: Afternoon, everybody. Um, Long time no see. A couple things to uh, bring you up to speed on real quick. Uh, As we move into wildland fire season, just want to let you know about uh, the status of our dozers and crews and um, the work we've done to get them status for both out of the OA and um, out-of-state assignments. So currently we're finalizing the agreement with CAL FIRE to have our dozers uh, be mobilized behind uh, mobilized behind them so when the cal fire dozers go out our crews will then our dozers will then be up uh, to take those assignments both locally and um, out of county and out of state so that one's being finalized with our crews we had been working over the last several years to get our crews' status through either the bdf or the anf and with the new cfa the way it's written the forest agencies are just not going to be able to help us with that so as I read through CFAA, one of the things I noticed is that there's a new provision in there for all risk resources uh, to, uh, to be inclus- included now in CFAA. So what we, what we needed the whole time was we needed to be a Ross or an IROC agency, so we needed to have that dispatch mechanism, and then we needed that payment mechanism in place to allow us to get our crew status for uh, assignments at both out of county and out of state. CFA, we have so we have the IROC piece, but we didn't have the um, agreement piece. So, with CFAA now having the language for um, all risk uh, resources, um, our crew falls under that category. I've reached out to Art Torres with Cal OES, and he's working with the assistant director of Cal OES, Randy Skelton, and the uh, center manager over at uh, South Ops jim tomaselli to get our crew status finally so i just spoke to them today for an update on that and we're um we're moving forward with that Uh, they said very very uh brief or very quickly today the amount of time i got to speak to them they said that we should have that finalized um, as we move into fire season so that's good news to finally have that working for us The command center project, as you all know, we didn't make the June first date. There was a few things that we needed to put together for, uh, uh, so that we had a um, a product really that worked for everybody moving forward. We are still very much on track for that July first date. In fact, we have a a meeting with our ops chiefs tomorrow to finalize, um, to really finalize a lot of the pieces with regards to. the communications plan how we're going to 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 introduce it how we're going to get it all set up we have that meeting tomorrow and uh from there we'll start to see implementation moving forward so it's it's um it's finally coming to fruition we have uh, all the support in the world that we need from both the fire chief and the county fire chiefs to move this forward so uh, we're really excited about seeing that come to fruition as you know the imt is has has we most of us most of us have gone back to our regular jobs Uh, however there are still a few people in place over at the command center and they will remain there so long as they are needed to provide service to both the oa chiefs because that delegation is still in place and of course our personnel I continue to strongly encourage everybody to um, s- stay diligent with the PPEs. I don't think you need me to tell you that to do that. But um, listen, we've spent a ton of uh, money to make sure you had all the protection that was needed. Uh, we got all the support we needed from Chief Muncie to get make sure you had all the protection that's needed. And we will continue to do that a- as long as this remains a threat. So thank you for all of you that supported the team members that were off the floor. That was key. I know initially that was a lot. And for those of you that continue to support the team members that are still in place, uh, doing their job to get those PPEs out to you, uh, to continue the planning process side of it, who also um, are doing a lot of work for the the demonstrations, and of course uh, to do all that's needed to apply for the grant uh, reimbursement. Uh, moving forward, so we have a little bit of finance folks in there, some logistics folks in there, and some plants, folks in there, and we are poised to stand back up in the event we see a spike in, um, uh, in in, in illness in the workplace and degradation in, in the workforce. So we're we're ready to go if we need to continue to push things um, forward as you always have. If there are issues or needs with regards to the COVID uh, response, and we'll continue to address them, of course. Uh, One of the things that uh, we recently had a fire in the North Desert that I just got a call from Cal Fire, and they let me know that that fire did turn out to be an arson-related fire. So I'm going to put an email out to the troops, but I'll just ask you here if we can be very diligent, uh, talk to company officers, talk to your crews, and of course, uh, battalion chiefs make sure that it's part of your incident command package, that we do the very best we can with origin protection. Obviously, the uh, being able to ide- identify the point of origin and then wh- whatever device is being used is key to not only um, identifying a suspect, but to prosecution. So, if we could uh, be diligent about what we're doing around what what we think might be the origin so that we can br- bring our investigators in there and are successful trying to move forward with um, uh, suspect identification and prosecution. Uh, let's see, what else did I want to share with you guys? Uh, I want to thank everybody for all of the work that you all continue to do to... Um, establish and maintain the uh, incredible relationships we have in our communities and with our cooperators uh, this is really really great work that is is um, is not um, sp- n- not to be spoken of lightly I guess is what I'm saying uh, this is this is something that um, has really uh, how do I want to say it? has really been um, instrumental in us moving all of the uh, objectives we need to move forward in the County Fire Department forward because of all your work on the floor being cooperative with the fire response and then of course for our Battalion Chiefs, our Assistant Chiefs and of course Chief Muncie um, moving our, our relationships forward. This has been really great for all of the objectives that we have within the department. Lastly I sent an email out to everybody about Marie Um if you haven't got a chance to read it, please do. Uh, basically, it's just letting you know that she's been recently diagnosed with stage four breast cancer. Um, she has chosen a very aggressive chemotherapy treatment that will take her into the fall months. So she's gonna need our support. Very soon, she will be looking for leave donations, so please keep an eye out for that. And then, of course, when we first learned of this, I had uh, a wonderful phone calls from uh, 935 uh, leadership offering, Um, whatever support is needed from the Benevolent Fund. And those calls continue to come in from um, the 935E board and and members that uh, are are incredibly supportive. So we're going to look at opportunities wherever we can to support Marie and Josh and their children. And I will um, act as the family liaison and, of course, continue to keep you guys uh, posted on her status. So thoughts and prayers go a long way, folks. Really appreciate that. That's all I have. Thank you. Thanks, Chief. Thank
1: you.
0: Thank you, Kat, for being Marie's liaison. This uh, is the Board of Supervisors Meeting Agenda packet, and our staff does a great job uh, putting together all of County Fire's items in the Board of Supervisors' meeting every single week. Uh, Ed Segura and Diane um, have just, just always killed it. Today's meeting was interesting, and I've mentioned a couple of times when I've been on, on Insight that it's a good idea to watch these meetings. It's pretty telling. The first thing, I'll just go straight to it, um, probably the worst news is the county budget and the deficits that they are projecting in the general fund. Now, wh- while we're not a general fund department, the truth of the matter is, is that we're receiving $26 million out of the general fund this year, on, and then we have the $41 million FP5, which obviously if that would go away, that would mean $66 million that we would need to continue from that general fund to maintain operations. So we are heavily tied to the county and its finances. The projection has a lot to do with the COVID economy. It's uh, it starts with sales tax and it's uh, kind of a little bit like water hammer. When the valve is closed on the economy, there's repercussions that progressively get worse. And in the end of five years, they're looking at a $450 million loss between continuing current services today and the funding that we need to continue that over five years. So the board has put several things in place. One is uh, no new positions unless the department, or in our case, the district, can show that we have outside revenue to support those positions. So we've uh, been talking about the dozer program for a long time. We wanna get that dozer program going. The board has literally said, in order to get a dozer operator, you have to show the revenue for that dozer operator. So I wanna thank Chief Evans for working so heavily on that to, to look for that revenue before we start filling those positions because we realize how critical they are. Mentioned that we're, we're in the general fund about 26 million. Today, there was really a landmark item and I wanna thank Katrina Torturo for working so hard on it. But she, she drew up a contract between us and the county that uh, is for the next 25 years, that guarantees us $9.1 million, $9. million today, and that grows over time. And it's to the district, it goes straight to admin, we can spend it wherever we need to in the fire district, but that goes a long ways to get our sustainability. That's new money that, that she was able to enter into, uh, and that's the first part. The second part is instead of the county giving us cash, we're looking for permanent property transfer to the district, so property tax, avalorum valorem to the district. Even then, we're $16 million in the general fund. And one of the, the questions, rumors I got recently from uh, President Grigoli and thank you, Jim, for reaching out to me, was in regards to Fire Station 302 funding. Six months ago, we planned to buy, to purchase new property from the city of Speria to build that uh, 302 headquarters. We need a new fire station. Um, unfortunately, the money's put on hold until we can figure out what's going on with FP5, what's going on with this economy. Now we can say that that money's in the general fund, or excuse me, in the county fire, um, North Desert Reserves, and is specifically for Station 302, that is very true. But at the end of the day, if the county comes back to us and says, we can't support you to the tune of $16 million anymore, um, of the $16 million in just general fund support that they give us, We need to make sure we have enough money for stations, for staffing, and equipment. Um, And the most important thing is staffing. Now, that doesn't mean that we're not going to purchase that land. What I asked Chief Corbin to do is to have a shelf-ready project. I've asked all the assistant chiefs to do this. Um, Have a shelf-ready project. In the first quarter, if things seem like they're turning around, the economy's making this incredible rebound then we have priorities and we're gonna authorize the purchase of certain things in every division. So every assistant chief has prioritized what those purchases will be. In North Desert's case, the property acquisition for Fire Station 302 is incredibly important. Uh, The North Desert alone receives $7.4 million in general fund. That's by far the biggest, the uh, the special operations gets 2.8. That's the training division, that's the camp, the the hand crew programs, the dozer operations, the helicopters all kind of linked in that special operations. Uh, Administration is some of that as well, $2.4 million. The mountains gets 2.1 million. The South Desert gets $2 million in general fund support. So the North Desert, that's, uh, that's critical. One of the things that surprised me is that County Fire isn't operating a profitable ambulance anywhere. Every single ambulance we have loses money to the district. And it's, um, I would say the closest to breaking even is Yucca Valley. And it simply has to do with their collection rates. They're, um, they seem to be transporting more patients on average than the other districts, less dry runs. And the documentation they're producing has a collection rate of almost, uh, it's over 70%, which is way higher than the industry standard. In the Dort Desert, its it's not quite as good. And maybe a lot of it is uh, the payer mix in that area, but there's also high uh, dry run. And I need your help. We need to get these numbers up. We're trying to present a case to the Board of Supervisors that County Fire w- wants to provide ambulances to our County Fire residents, to, to our jurisdiction. That would be our cake and ice cream if we could run ambulances everywhere we have our jurisdiction. But they look at it and they say, well, Chief Muncie, you lose $10 million a year with the ambulances you have. And that's a problem. In, um, in the North Desert alone, in Hesperia, it's an offset this year of $2 million from the general fund that they're offsetting those ambulances and then county Fire is offsetting $2.7 million for those ambulances in Hesperia. Uh, some of that is how we allocate the costs we, we uh, tie in a little bit of our suppression, our firefighting costs into it because we know that we're doing so much EMS time. But company officers and ambulance operators that are out there, please do everything you can to make sure our documentation is as complete as possible so that we have good billing. Often uh, we're seeing documentation come across and it says, um, it just doesn't, it doesn't document anything that's occurring during transportation or it's um, a no patient contact even when we've had patient contact. And those things hurt us and it hurts our credibility as a district. So we're trying to operate a little more efficiently. We're trying to look for all the revenues that we have. We're trying to, um, to ensure that we continue to get the general fund support. And I wanna thank the team for doing all that. And I wanna uh, thank those of you that are doing a great job on the ambulances every single day transporting our patients. But work with your company officers and figure out if you need more time to complete these reports and get them done. Uh, please let us know how we can support you in that because providing ammo service is critical to the customer service that we give to our our customers every single day also on the board of supervisors agenda today was the atalanto contract that's gone up quite a bit with our mou increases Uh, chief corbin is working with the city of atalanto to continue towards annexation they're working hard on producing the annual financial documents that they need to satisfy LAFCO. With uh, with FP5, we're not, until FP5's decided, we're not gonna be able to annex anybody into FP5. But again, I believe that we're gonna prevail on this and we need to make sure that Analanto is prepared to annex into our fire district. And it's uh, it'd be great for the fire district, but it would also be great for the city of Analanto. FP5 fees were in the Board of Supervisor packet. Once a year, they need to set the rate they have an option every single year to increase those fees 3%. Last year, they did not increase the fees. This year, they did not increase the fees. Uh, the reason is, is November. Uh, the public's going to vote on this, uh, and the uh, board wanted to keep the fees set where they're at right now to, uh, to demonstrate to the public that we don't always need to increase those fees. important thing is that we will have FP5 next year so even if the vote in november it's uh, voted to repeal fp5 we'll still have that funding in this this budget year that's coming up the agenda packet which igt fees which is intergovernmental transfer this is medicare patients that we transfer as a district we pay some money back to the state they use federal matching dollars they combine it and they give us money back so our staff does a great job in collecting those and uh that's it on the Board of Supervisors meeting. Watch it, it's a great meeting. One of the things that they did mention that I, I'm probably gonna get a lot of questions on is the, um, the CEO mentioned to the board that, that county labor has been meeting with the labor unions to renegotiate the MOU to uh, potentially not give the raises. So I know that President Gergoli is working hard on that on your behalf. He spoke to me a little bit about that yesterday. For the exempt uh, chief officers, there's very little that we can do about that. They'll um, they'll probably at some point come to us and say, the county can't afford these raises due to the economy. You're not going to get your raises that are built into your MOU. There's still potential that Uh, as the economy improves, we'll keep you up to date on that. But uh, those are the important things that were the Board of Supervisors meeting. Grant, uh, on fire stations, Grant Chief Hubble's on the phone right now with PMD. Uh, There's some good news out of that. First, PMD has assigned a team to work with us. So we're not gonna have uh, just different members of PMDs that are doing various projects. It's gonna be dedicated people to the fire department to streamline our processes. One of the things that Grant's working hard on is to actually purchase and build these new fire stations in San Bernardino. It's been almost five years since we got the money and we, we have nothing to show for it. And it's very frustrating. We recognize the need to improve our our living conditions and get out ahead of our capital improvements. It's costing us a lot of money to maintain these facilities that were built in some cases 60 or 70 years ago. The process that Grant's gonna use with PMD is what we call design build. And you do one RFP. We're gonna do an RFP with a builder and a contractor and they work together to streamline the process. And then we're looking at building right on top of the two fire stations that uh, we're looking to improve. To improve. So Grant, Chief Hubble's doing a great job with that. Is there any questions in addition? I, I did see Captain Kern's question about the fire station. I hope I answered your question, Jeremy. I know how frustrating that is. Um, it's still a huge priority in the North Desert. Let me tell you, Chief Corbin has been advocating extremely hard to release that money and to purchase land. We just simply cannot do that right now as a fire district, but as soon as we understand better the economy, we'll release the money, and that's gonna to continue to be a priority in the district. Thank you all for uh, listening to our message today. As always, if there's anything that we can do for you professionally or personally, don't hesitate to reach out. If there's any questions that are coming up in the week, please pass them through the, your chain of command or through your union, and thank you for what you do every day. This has been County Fire Insight for Tuesday, June 9, 2020.